Well, hello there. We're uh, going to have a quick discussion today about one of the really interesting passages in the Bible, Luke chapter 23 and verse 42 and 43, where Jesus speaks to the thief on the cross. And we're going to be talking about what Jesus meant when he said to the thief, you will be with me in paradise today. So here's our quote. I've just taken it from a, uh, an easy-to-read English translation, the Bible in basic English. And the text simply says, and he, and that's our thief, said, Jesus, keep me in mind when you come in your kingdom. And he, so this is Jesus' response, said to the thief, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So here's the problem. At first, we look at that, and it seems to be a concrete statement that Jesus is making, that he is saying to this man that you are going to be admitted into paradise today. So on that very day that Jesus spoke, this man was going to be admitted to paradise. And so the normal interpretation of that would be that when the thief deceased, his immortal soul would go up into heaven and he would be admitted into paradise. Well, I just want to spend a little bit of time talking about some of the problems with that traditional interpretation of an immortal soul going into heaven and heaven being the paradise that Jesus is talking about. So the first point I want to raise with you is that we need to notice that nowhere in that passage, and if you check the context before and after, Nowhere does Jesus talk about either an immortal soul or something related to ascending into heaven. So a soul going into heaven is an assumption that traditionally has been made that therefore may not have the support of evidence. So we're looking for an evidence-based interpretation here, and I'm going to suggest to you that that is not an evidence-based interpretation of this, of this passage. Another really important thing to notice is in verse 42. The thief says to Jesus, keep me in mind when you come in your kingdom. So he's not asking for something that he believed to be immediate, is he? He is looking for something which is in the future. When you come in your kingdom, keep me in mind, please. So he wants to be part of something which is in the future, and this is the future kingdom that Jesus is going to be the ruler of. So to labour this point just a little bit longer, the thief is asking about an event which is yet future to the time that he is speaking about. It's the time when Jesus is going to return, and he further specifies that it's going to be a kingdom, and therefore Jesus must be a king. Now, if there was ever a time for Jesus to politely interrupt and to say to this man, I'm, I'm sorry, you've got this wrong. Um, I'm not talking about an event that's in the future. It's actually going to be immediate. This is probably it, isn't it? But Jesus doesn't correct the man. He doesn't say, you've got it all wrong, and paradise is immediate, and it's not something that's going to be there in the future. Now, another problem that we arrive at if we assume that the verse is talking about a soul ascending to heaven, is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12. 
So here we have Matthew chapter 12 and verse 14. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the stomach of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So immediately following Jesus' death, he was buried. And he spent three days and three nights buried in a tomb. So taking this at face value, this can only mean that Jesus was not in heaven immediately after his crucifixion because he says, I'm going to be buried for three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. There's also no record of the thief being buried along with Jesus in the same tomb. So we find that the record makes it very, very clear that there was actually only one body in the tomb where Jesus was laid, and that was Jesus himself. So the, the thief was not in the same tomb. So even if we could make the case that the grave could be considered a paradise by somebody, the fact that the thief is not buried with Jesus in the same tomb means that either Jesus is lying or there must be a different, different explanation which is far, far more satisfying. So here's our solution. What we've got in Luke chapter 23 is a really good example of what we might describe as translated bias. Almost all translations of the Bible into English have got the same punctuation. So that punctuation appears to support this idea of an immediate reward and an immediate entrance into paradise. Now, the problem with this is that biblical Greek, so that's the, the language that the New Testament was written in, doesn't actually have any punctuation at all. And so the translation of words and the punctuation to make the passage readable in English are inserted after by the people who do the translation. And because most translators of the Bible have this belief in an immortal soul and in, in going to heaven, therefore we see that many translations of the Bible have got the same punctuation and the same bias towards the presentation of this doctrine. Now, one of the few exceptions is actually by a man whose name is relevant. So here we have the same two verses as we read earlier from the Bible in basic English, but this time from Rotherham's translation. So we read, and he went on to say, Jesus, remember me whensoever thou shalt come into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee this day, thou shalt be with me in paradise. So you can see that the punctuation has now been changed. Previously, the comma in the Bible for basic English was um, before the today. Rotherham says, I say to you today, you are going to be with me in paradise. So he completely changes the sense of that passage simply by moving the punctuation in it. Now, the reason that Rotherham is different to many of his peers is actually really simple. In the Greek, the word translated into the English word today is actually where all of the emphasis in this verse is placed. So the, the Greek language allows you to put emphasis on on words, which we would do by change of volume or by um, the way that we say a word. In Greek, when you write it, you can actually do that by um, using uh, different punctuation points. So 
the emphasis is on this idea of today. And so Rotherham in his translation is really trying to emphasize to us where the points of emphasis in the Greek are. And so he's perhaps a little bit truer to the original text. Maybe he was a little bit less biased than some of his peers because he's really trying to convey what the true meaning of that original language was. So Jesus is saying to this thief, you asked me to do something for you in the future, but I'm telling you right now, today, you are going to be with me in paradise. That doesn't mean that Jesus is saying you will receive entrance on that very day, but the promise is being made on that day that a future was opened up for this thief. So Rotherham hasn't allowed his personal beliefs to colour the translation of the text in this passage as others seem to have. Now, another Bible scholar who actually makes the same point as Rotherham, and, and he's actually quite helpful in explaining this punctuation problem, is a man whose name is Bullinger. And he wrote a dictionary of the Bible and he wrote uh, some notes which are bound up with the text of the King James Version in a Bible called the Companion Bible. And so he says in his notes against verse 43, um, and I'll quote what he says. So against the word today, he says, connect this with I say, to emphasize the solemnity of the occasion, not with thou shalt be. And then he goes on and says, see the Hebraism on the note in Deuteronomy 4 verse 26, and then he says, I can explain to you what the punctuation is all about and one of the appendices. And uh, he's got a few more explanatory notes in a, a further appendix. But just picking up on what he says against the word today, he agrees, therefore, with Rotherham. So he says that word today should be connected with the I say. So I'm saying to you today that in the future, there will be something done for you. And so we can learn a few things from this. The first thing is that the structure of the text in Luke is based on a well-known saying that was used very extensively in the Old Testament. And I'm going to take you to Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 26. And I've gone back to the Bible for basic English, um, simply because it's so easy to read. Um, but in that translation, we read, May heaven and earth be my witnesses against you today, that destruction will quickly overtake you cutting you off from that land which you are going over Jordan to take. Your days will not be long in that land, but you will come to a complete end. And so you can see that same sort of Hebraism, that, that same expression which is being used. I'm saying to you today that if you don't do what I'm telling you, in the future something bad is going to happen in this particular context. So the cutting off um, is the future act, but the declaration is being made of that impending judgment is being made today. So Willinger says in his dictionary that this is a solemn idiom. So it's a, a, a saying, it's a, a very solemn promise that's used for great emphasis. And it actually occurs 42 times in the book of Deuteronomy alone. And as he's pointing out, it's actually the structure of the sentence that Jesus is using there in Luke chapter 23, verse 43. Now, he also makes the point that I made a little earlier that the Greek text hasn't got any punctuation. It doesn't even, in fact, have any spaces. 
between words. So none of that came until the ninth century. And then they actually just put a dot between words to make it slightly easier to read. And so quoting again from Bullinger, he says, from this, it will be seen that the punctuation of all modern editions of the Greek text and of all versions made from it rests entirely on human authority and has no weight whatever in determining or even influencing the interpretation of a single passage. So that sort of brings us back to that point that I was making earlier. The bias of the translator heavily influences the way that a sentence is structured. And so we need to be a little bit careful when we are reading to make sure that we're understanding the usage of the original Greek and some of these um, idioms and sayings that were in common use. So to summarize what we found then, we've seen that the Greek text of Luke chapter 23 and verse 43 is based on a common saying of the time. And it's designed to be a very solemn expression to, to, from Jesus to that man to say, I promise you today that you'll be rewarded for your faith in the future. And so he is going to be in paradise with Jesus when Jesus comes to rule as king in his kingdom. Now, paradise in the Bible is always associated with the places on the earth. And I'll give you just one example, which is contained here in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7, where we read, He who has ears, let him give ear to what the Spirit says to the ecclesiastes. To him who overcomes, I will give of the fruit of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And so here we've got a reference to the tree of life, which was a real tree, which was in the Garden of Eden. Now, the Garden of Eden was on earth. And so the promise here is that people who overcome are going to be able to eat of the fruit of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So the implication of that is that paradise is also on earth. Now, Jesus' teaching is consistent. He says regularly throughout his ministry that eternal life is preceded by resurrection and by judgment. And there's many quotes that we could turn to, but I'm going to give you a fairly long one, which is taken from John chapter 5 and verse 25 to 29, where Jesus says, Truly I say to you, the time is coming, it has even now come, when the voice of the Son of God will come to the ears of the dead, and those hearing it will have life. For even as the Father has life in himself, so he has given to the Son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to be judged because he is the Son of Man. Do not be surprised at this, for the time is coming when his voice will come to all who are in the place of the dead, and they will come out. Those who have done good unto the new life and those who have done evil to be judged. And so we can see from this passage that Jesus is talking about having the capacity given to him by God to be the judge over all people and to sift through them and to determine whether they've done what is right or whether they've done what is wrong according to the um, laws and the guidance that God has given us. And so those who are dead, he says in verse 28, those in the place of the dead 
are going to hear his voice and they will come out. So therefore, there must be a physical bodily resurrection before there's a judgment. And then following that, there's entrance into the kingdom of God. And so the thief will get his reward. He demonstrates tremendous faith when he speaks to Jesus and says, remember me when you come in your kingdom. He doesn't ask Jesus to do anything other than remember him favorably. And Jesus says, because of your act of faith, you are going to be in my kingdom. And so that's a wonderful thing because the kingdom is something which is very, very close at hand. And I want to just give you one last quote, which is taken from the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 2 and verse 44 and 45, where we read, and in those days and in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will... Sorry. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will put up a kingdom which will never come to destruction, and its power will never be given into the hands of another people. And all these kingdoms will be broken and overcome by it, but it will keep its place forever. Because you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that by it the iron and the brass and the earth and the silver and the gold were broken to bits, a great God has given the king knowledge of what is to take place in the future. The dream is fixed and its sense is certain. And so in this vision, Daniel is talking about the destruction of the kingdom of men, the, the total upheaval of everything that we know of. And in its place, God is going to establish his kingdom under the rulership of Jesus Christ, and it's going to be on the earth. And so the day is coming when that thief will hear the voice of Jesus and he'll be raised from the sleep that he currently is in, of the sleep of death, he'll be raised to life again, and he will be blessed with immortality and judgment because of his faith. And that same hope is open to all of us. If we have the faith that that thief had, we too can be part of the kingdom of God here on earth. Thank you.